Welcome to the podcast series about our textbook, Indigenous Education in Australia, Learning and Teaching for Deadly Futures, published by Routledge. This podcast series is hosted by Marnie Shea and Rhonda Oliver. We are the editors of this book, which is a collection of chapters authored by Indigenous and non-Indigenous educators and researchers on a variety of topics on Indigenous education. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on and the lands of the peoples where listeners are tuning in from today. In this podcast series, we explore the chapters with authors, providing listeners and readers of the text the opportunity to hear authors yarn about their chapters and provide further insights about some of the suggested practice implications on their topics. It's Marnie here, and today I'm yarning with Rhonda Oliver, who authored the chapter Supporting the Diverse Language Background of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Students. Welcome, Rhonda, and thank you for sharing your time and knowledge with us for this podcast series. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, who's your mob, and where you're from? Hi, I'm, I'm Rhonda, and I grew up in Perth, and in fact, the Oliver family has a long history in Western Australia. The first Oliver came out in the 1820s. So we've, we've been here for a very long time. And on my uh, father's mother's side, we, we go back to at least the beginning of colonisation. She was born in Kalgoorlie, coming from the eastern states, but then we kind of lose the trail. So I've had a long connection with Western Australia. And also growing up, I went to school with a number of Aboriginal students who were great friends. And as I say in the introduction of my chapter, I actually didn't choose this area. I say to a lot of people, the area chooses you. And so I've had, I actually worked as an ESL teacher, helping children who had a, a different language than English and helping them to learn that as a school teacher. That became my area of research. And because of that, I ended up in, in the Aboriginal education space. Um, this chapter, I worked with Simon Forrest, who was raised on Wajak Bujak land. So, um, and it was an honour to work with him. He's unfortunately not available for this podcast today. Thanks, Rhonda. Can you please share with the audience your background in Indigenous education? I know you just touched on that, but maybe share a little uh, yarn with us about your time teaching. So as I said, I was an ESL teacher. Because of my interest in second language and second dialect acquisition, I ended up doing some research and as part of that um, began to explore how language background influences the way we speak and the way that we learn not only language but more generally in school. And I've been uh, around Western Australia recording and documenting the way that Aboriginal students speak and how they interact in classrooms. Also looking at their needs in terms of language learning, but, you know, learning more generally and what needs to happen in schools so that we can more appropriately accommodate their different needs. Thanks, Rhonda. In your chapter, you talk about supporting diverse language backgrounds. Can you share with us what some of the main messages uh, were that you and uh, and Uncle Simon wanted readers to take from the chapter? Um, thanks, Marnie. Look, I think the really important thing to understand is that we don't all speak the same way. And, you know, even in my own context, I grew up speaking 
a non-standard form of English. And that really influences the way that we come to learning. So you'll you'll see a story in the chapter where I talk about being told to write something properly and to sound out the words because I hadn't spelt them correctly. And that works really well if you have a standard language because standard doesn't mean it's the proper way. It just means it's the closest way to written English. So if you have a non-standard form, it makes it difficult to for some to make that bridge between how they sound and how language is written. It doesn't mean that their language is right or wrong or better or worse. It just means it's different. And it's really important as teachers that we understand and make students' awareness more explicit. So when the teacher told me to write something properly, it, 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 was, it wasn't very helpful to me as a young child. What she needed to do was actually to highlight the difference between how I spoke and how the words were written. While I said were things like Saturday because that's how my family spoke, actually highlighting that when it's written down, it's written down as Saturday. And being able to make those things explicit for learners bridges their language and cultural background into what's useful for standard Australian English and what we learn in schools. And that's what, you know, that's one of the things with, with language that education is mediated through standard Australian English in Australia. And not everybody comes to school with that language. So that's one of the really key things. If you grow up monolingually, you, you tend to think that we all think and, and understand things in the same ways. But in fact, your language really shapes the way you come to understanding. And it's really important as teachers to be aware of that. Absolutely. Are there any additional practices that you would recommend in supporting diverse language speakers amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students? Look, one of the really key things to understand, and it, this comes from really quite some time ago, a guy called Cummins came up with a threshold hypothesis and it said you can't actually be better in your second language or second dialect than you are in your first. So you need a really rich language and to, and as teachers we need to honour and value the language background students come with. Then you can use that to build and make those bridges that I was talking about into the language learning in the classroom. So it's really important to understand with with permission and respect, use or acknowledge students' language background in the classroom and build upon that to make the links into the curriculum knowledge that you're covering in the classroom. Yeah, and it really ties to the theme of our book, doesn't it? The strengths-based approach in supporting learners, looking at students' strengths. It so does, money. Sorry to interrupt. It so does. It's it's vital to understand that students don't come with no language, as I've heard teachers say. They come with a rich but different background language than what perhaps the teachers have. And it's recognising that and building upon that that's so important. And and it's it's really sad in our history, you know, we outline in our chapter how there are different languages and dialects in Aboriginal communities. So some students in Australia still have traditional languages as their first language, much as some come to Australia speaking Japanese or Mandarin or Vietnamese. We have students who grow up, particularly in remote communities, speaking traditional languages as their first language. They might also speak Creole. Australia, there's actually a Creole 
which um, is a, when two languages come together and become like a, a language in its own right, like Mauritian Creole. In the north of Australia, we have a Creole spelled K-R-I-O-L. Creole is a type of Creole and it has its own language. It has its own vocabulary, grammar, structure. We also have Aboriginal English as a dialect that many Aboriginal people use for identity creation, to represent their thinking and cultural understandings. And it's the lingua franca, the language used amongst Aboriginal people. Just as if I'm overseas and I see another Australian, I will um, speak English, obviously, to them, but standard Australian English is the language that we understand of each other. Bringing those languages, understanding that children who are Aboriginal Torres Strait Islanders come to school with their own languages, building upon that and not thinking them of as a blank slate or having no language. It's also so important to respect this language background. It's a great resource. Being able to move between languages develops cognitively a flexibility that's not necessarily present in monolingual speakers. Being able to translanguage or shift between language codes is a real skill and an attribute. And I've seen very young Aboriginal children move across their whole repertoire in a very short period of time doing it appropriately and socially and contextually and with great aptitude in ways that I still struggle as a, as a monolingual English speaker, albeit that I grew up with a different um, dialect as my first. So, you know, it's a real asset and we need to value it. It's so sad when I come across kids um, from Aboriginal communities and I ask them what language they speak and they tell me they speak rubbish talk. Imagine that. They believe that Aboriginal English is rubbish talk because that's the sort of notion that they've grown up, that it's a lesser language. It's just as rich and powerful as any other language. How awful to have that. So as teachers, we need to value, recognise language and, as I said, with permission, use the words of the local community to make understandings, to make meanings in your classroom. Absolutely. And it would be terrible to think that schools would play a role in um, sending those messages to Aboriginal students about their own languages. Very powerful and important messages there, Rhonda. Uh, in finally, in reimagining a better future for Indigenous education, what's your vision for excellence in Indigenous education? Well, definitely it's a strength-based one, Barney, and I now we need to recognise that the students bring um, diversity to the classroom. We can learn so much from what Aboriginal students know, build upon their cultural and linguistic diversity and enrich our teaching as part of this process. Thanks so much for your time today, Rhonda. Thank you, Marnie.